God, that is our prayer that your spirit would come and fall afresh on us, each one of us individually, but us together as a congregation. May you mold us into the people you want us to be and fill us for you. God, we ask that you do this work through your spirit, even as we gather around your word in the name of Christ we ask it. Amen. Amen. The year was 1973, and I found myself in an unexpected spiritual crisis. I, as many of you know, was raised in a Baptist pastor's home, and so at a young age, I came to faith in Christ for eternal life. It certainly seemed like the way to go for a young child. But I grew into that and realized that God could use my interest in sports and music. I was able to use that to serve him and his church through my teen years. Then as a young adult, I, I wanted to make sure this was my faith, and so I grounded my faith with the help of the writings of C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer in what I would call biblical evangelical Christianity. But I found myself in 1973 in this expanded understanding of the body of Christ. You know, I knew I was a Christian. I was biblically grounded, but I was starting to bump into people who weren't Baptists and were still believers. Uh, some of those were Pentecostal, charismatic, Jesus people folk who convinced me that I was missing out on some part of the Christian life because I really didn't have the experience of God's Spirit as they thought it was necessary. It threw me into a tailspin. I mean, I'm someone who grew up in the faith and I thought I was pretty well grounded and all of a sudden they're throwing me this curveball like I was missing out on something. And I didn't want to miss out on anything God had for me. So I went into kind of a personal exploration right where I knew my authority was, was in God's Word. And I read everything I could from God's Word about the Spirit, followed all the cross-references and took it all in, prayerfully hoping that God would give me insight and uh, not allow me to be too defensive against these, these new, young, strange Christians I was bumping into. So I... I came to a conclusion that didn't buy everything that they were selling or pushing or desiring for me, but at the same time, I was so grateful for their prompting this crisis in my life because I learned a lot about the Holy Spirit that I had not known, kind of that mysterious person of the triune God. I was given the chance to really dig into God's word, to get to know him, about him, but even more personally, to know him in my life and to realize that he is the key to living the Christian life. That was just like mind-blowing for me. How could I ignore the key person to empower me for living the Christian life? And so for me, I was grateful. I don't want to prompt a crisis in your life but I want to give an opportunity for you in this morning's message and in the weeks to come 
an opportunity to explore life in the spirit. What is that? Life in the spirit. I'm, I can understand life in Christ. I'm a believer in Christ. But what's this life in the spirit all about? And so come with me on a little biblical exploration through the weeks and we'll see if we can't come to know this person of the triune God and his work in our lives. Just what is he here to do? Where do we start with something like that? Well, you could start in Genesis 1-2, where the Spirit is hovering over the waters of creation. We could go all the way back there or go right to the end of the Old Testament where Zechariah records the wonderful words where God says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We could track it all through the Old Testament if we wanted to, that subject. But I would suggest let's go and limit ourselves. Let's go to the New Testament. Well, where do we start in the life of Christ? Well, the Holy Spirit shows up at Christ's conception. We know that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary so that she was able to conceive this unique person in all of human history, divinely taking on flesh. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one the angel said was going to do that. We could go to Jesus' beginning of his ministry where he's anointed by the Spirit. You wonder where his power came? Certainly from being God himself in the flesh, but he knew as perfect human, he knew he needed to be empowered to do what he did in his ministry. And he credited God's Spirit that image of a dove resting on him at his baptism. So we could go to that, but we got to go quickly through those remembrances. I want to take you to the final night of Jesus with his disciples. We get the best account in John chapters 14 through 16, so we're going to ground our thoughts there and see that when Jesus was starting to talk about not being with his disciples, they became alarmed. They were concerned they were starting to grieve what are we going to do without you and Jesus said the solution is really clear I'm not going to leave you alone I'm not going to leave you as orphans I'm going to send my spirit I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you and he says it a number of times so that it just gets our attention but what a great introduction to the topic of the Holy Spirit so if you'll allow me take your Bible or your pew Bible, uh, maybe look at the screen if you need to, because the context might be important for you as we just pull out the verses where Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, and we'll zero in on some of the roles that the Holy Spirit was intended to play for us. I'm going to start with John 14, 16, a text we did not read, but I'm going to add this at the beginning. John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Well, if this is all we ever knew about the Holy Spirit, we'd have quite a bit to chew on right here. 
first of all, he seems to be working with the father and the son. So if you've, if you've forgotten this idea, the whole of Scripture presents the Holy Spirit as fully God, not less, not just the thoughts of God, but God himself. And he works in cooperative relationship with the Father and the Son. Notice, too, that he's a person. Jesus refers to him with personal pronouns in this context and all the others that we'll be looking at. It's never an it, an impersonal force. He's a he. He's a person. So he's divine, but he's personal. What else do we see? He comes at the request of Jesus to continue Jesus' ministry. That's the whole idea this final night. You're going to be missing me. I'm going to go. But guess who's coming? Someone's coming who is just like me in so many ways, and he'll actually be better for you. So Jesus is sending him to, in a sense, replace and continue his ministry. He's an advocate. That's such a formal word. It's capitalized in our context, and that's, that's good. You'll see it again. Advocate, which speaks of a legal friend, someone who comes alongside to defend us and help us, comfort us, challenge us. That legal friend is with us forever, the text says. Believers have access to this advocate. Unbelievers in the world do not. That's another thing we learn from here. It's the believer in Jesus Christ who has God's spirit living within and with us forever. What a, what a great promise. The world can't know that, but the believer can. So just in this context, we see so much about God's spirit that we could spend our whole sermon right there. But I'd like you to get kind of the survey of what's going on, and you'll see some of these principles repeated again. Look at verse 26 for our second reference in this wonderful um, final night as Jesus addresses his disciples. 1426 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. If you ever wondered how the disciples were able to remember what Jesus said in order to record it in the gospel record, long before there were stenographers or cassette tape recordings or iPhones, long before all that, how did they remember what Jesus said so that we can be assured of its accuracy? Well, the answer Jesus gives us here is the Holy Spirit would help them to remember what Jesus said. If you've ever wondered how Christians can ever remember all that's in this book and all that Jesus said and apply it to their lives, the answer is the same. It's the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent to be a teacher, not just a legal friend, an advocate, but a, but a teacher, one who reminds us and and helps us to live out the teachings of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to accomplish. My next text goes to 15 toward the end, 26. 
chapter 15, verse 26. Again, when the advocate comes, so there's still some future dimension to the advocate coming when uh, Jesus spoke to his disciples. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. The testimony or the witness of the Spirit is an important part of his ministry. Jesus intended him to be given to believers so that we would be assured of our relationship with God. Even when we doubt it, the Spirit says, no, you're, you're a child of God. You are through faith in Christ and always will be. That assurance comes from God's Spirit giving witness to our spirit that we really are God's children. But there's also another dimension of this witness that God wants to witness through his spirit within us to the world around us. Jesus says to his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, you'll receive power to become witnesses to the end of the earth. And so it is that the Holy Spirit as a witness is given to us both to strengthen our own assurance, but also that we might share Jesus Christ with other people. Jesus said this witnessing dimension is in another is another important part of what the Holy Spirit comes to do. So, so far we've got this legal friend, we've got a teacher, we've got a witness within and through us, but now we come to the text that was read and we pick up three more, I'll call them functions or roles of the Spirit. Look at verse 8 of chapter 16. When he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will prove the world wrong. He'll prosecute. He will convince. He will expose the world's wrongness about these important concepts. I don't doubt that there may be some <clears throat> people here this morning who, whose ministry of God's spirit is right here. That there's uh, a harder part to to the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he comes to convict and prosecute, not just the gentle rub on the shoulder and encouragement, but he also comes sometimes for a little kick in the pants because we get things wrong, especially in the world without Christ. We don't know that sin separates us from God. The person in the world doesn't get that. When they do, they start to have the ministry of God's spirit bringing them that enlightenment. Sin separates us from God. And our righteousness is never going to repair that separation. All the best we could do and say and even try to be on our own is never going to repair it. It's only the righteousness of Christ that we receive as a gift that is going to take care of the gap between holy God and sinful people. The Holy Spirit gives us that insight. But then also there's judgment. If, if we don't put our faith in Christ, we're going to face the same judgment that our enemy, Satan, was scheduled and is doomed and has in some degree already received. That judgment was intended for fallen angels, and if we don't opt for faith in Christ, we're going that same route. We come under that same judgment. 
Those are spiritual thoughts that most people out there in the world, and maybe some of us in here, don't get completely, and God's Spirit is, is hammering away to try to help us get those basics. So we've seen that the Holy Spirit is at, in ministry to the believer, but also we see that God's Spirit is at large in this world, tapping on shoulders, giving this clarification that you've got some things wrong. Let's get them right and turn to Christ. In verse 13, we see a fifth role that the Holy Spirit plays. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So here, although he's, he's teaching, he's described as a guide. He's one who will guide us through the present suffering, difficult world, but he'll take us into the promised glory of the future. Even in the New Testament, we've got glimpses from apostles who looked into the future and saw that there's a day coming when God's going to put everything back together the way he intended. God's Spirit helped them to see that, those future glimpses. You wonder where that, did they just make that up? No, God's Spirit said, or Jesus said that God's Spirit would show them things to come. And so it is that we trust those words, and in the meantime, we, we have the Spirit's guidance through the difficult parts of living in this life because we've got the hope of, of glory in the future. You wonder where that comes from. It comes from God's Spirit. That's his job. Verse 14 presents us with the last in this series as Jesus taught his disciples. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me, speaking of Jesus, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That issue of glorifying Jesus is one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit. And I would suggest might be one of the reasons he remains kind of a mystery, because he's doing his job. He's putting all the attention on Jesus, and the Holy Spirit really doesn't want all the attention on him. I recall loving the site of the Wrigley Building, downtown Chicago, at night. If you've seen it at night, it just sits aglow in even that bright downtown landscape. Um, and we can just delight in that view. But I remember discovering that across Michigan Avenue, across the Chicago River, is a bank of massive lights that make that view possible. You know, they're kind of hidden. You don't even notice it unless you're kind of crossing the bridge on foot and they're kind of blinding you. But that, that view of Wrigley Building is not possible without the spotlights. And in many ways, that's the role. The spotlights are the role of the Holy Spirit to just throw all the light on Jesus so that we just delight in him but sometimes we forget how important the Holy Spirit's role is in glorifying him, in brightening him, making him visible and alive and well in our lives. So I would encourage you to come to know this spirit that Jesus is promising his disciples. At this point, the final night before the cross, the spirit 
had not come. It was still kind of future. Now we have him, and we can go back and say, did Jesus' promise come true? Should we expect it to come true? This is the ministry that God's Spirit has. Jesus promised him to be a promoter, to glorify him, to be a prosecutor, to challenge the world and wrong thinking about basic spiritual things. But he also sent him and especially sent him to encourage believers, to be our, our advocate, our helper, one who's a guide, a teacher, a witness, a, a legal friend who walks with us through life. This is what Jesus expected of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think we just need to recognize that we have this gift. If your faith is in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within and is with us forever. He is the advocate. And Jesus didn't think of him as a second-rate substitute, as if, well, I'm going, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send someone who will at least, you know, in part, be like me. No, no. Jesus thought he used the word advantage in this text. He says, it's to your advantage that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. For Jesus, this was not a step back. This was a step forward. Have we thought of the Holy Spirit as an advantage? Have we taken advantage of the advantage that Jesus has for us? Let's come to know him in the weeks ahead. I, I challenge you to study these texts, uh, look with us at the Holy Spirit. Most importantly, I pray that we might receive the Holy Spirit, maybe in new dimensions, even as we do this study together. Be open to a spiritual crisis. If not a crisis, at least an opportunity to come to know God's Spirit through His Word a little better. And so I'm going to ask that we just pray one of the common prayers of our hymnal, is to come, Holy Spirit, come. To just ask him to come and teach us to, to do his work. Maybe we need a, a little bit of the prosecuting work. Maybe we need to see Jesus a little more clearly, but let's just privately, and then I'll close our time, let's just pray personally, however it is you want to voice it. Just pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit.